Yeah. Hi, Neil Brennan here. Um, I don't have dates, guys. I'm going to be in Ireland in June. Don't worry Where about that. Where are you that. going in Ireland? Fucking kill Kenny, bro. You are not. Yeah, <laughs> that's the, the uh, That is the place of my death as a comedian. Late night. Did, did you die a horrible death? Dude, I see that you have not seen my comedy special. You have admitted that right now by because the, the bulk of it is a story of how painful that oh, okay, experience good. was for All me. Right, um, and the closer of my next special, that's how painful you're it still was. Fucking I'm still fucking milking that I'll be known as the dude that had a bad time in Ireland. Uh, I, but my special is on comedy. Comedy Central, it's on uh, it's direct.cc.com. You can download the video for $5. And you can download the audio off of iTunes. It's the number three album in comedy right now. Oh, guys. get out. Um, Neil yeah, Brennan thanks, doing guys. big Thank things. Thank you very much. So, uh, guys, let's keep it at number three. Let's. We don't have to go above number three. Let's just keep it. Let's not go below that, though. You Ever know what again. I mean? Uh, women and black dudes. Neil Brennan, go. It's Moshe Kasher here. You know me. Uh, I will be in Atlanta at the Improv January 30th through February the 1st. That's this weekend. If Neil gets his shit together and gets this episode out quickly, <laughs> you will know about that. February 15th, College of William & Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia. February 27th through March 1st, Madison, Wisconsin at the Comedy Club on State. Charlotte, North Carolina, March 6th through 8th. And very important here, April the 1st, April Fool's Day in New Orleans, Louisiana at one Eye Jacks with Tom Lennon and Natasha Leggero. I got all kinds of stuff coming up. Road, road like all the time. You keep threatening that. Like I got, there's plenty happening. There's a lot happening in my life. Uh, our guest today, Maceo, go. DJ Maceo from De La Soul, and you can check me out February second at my in Miami at the stage. February fifteenth in Orlando with my man Rich Medina. February sixteenth at the All Star Weekend with the Do Over. What is that? The Do Over is a scene that started in California. Which is an outdoor party. Done. Great. It's put together by the guys from Stones Throw. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. It's an awesome party. It's a day party. And it's, in New Orleans. And it's going to be in New Orleans at the All-Star Go, I weekend. would suggest going to the day party because you ain't getting into no night parties. Right. At yeah, All-Star yeah. Weekend. Yeah, yeah. Also, you bring a bike because you ain't getting a cab either. I think this Man, is really... Neil is a real travel <laughs> agent here for, for All-Star for, Weekend. For the All-Star Weekend, this is very unique, different, and I think refreshing. You a know, day party? Yeah. yeah, a day party for All-Star Weekend. Yeah. I think it's going to be pretty yeah. cool. It's yeah. going to be hot. And then um, February 22nd, Atlanta, March 21st and 22nd, Winter Music Conference. It's got a lot going on, man. We, we both have a lot on. going on. Look, we got a lot you guys coming have a ton up. going on. Guys, most of my best work is behind me. I've been clear about that from the beginning. <laughs> hey, uh, let's, uh, how about it, we start the episode? Fine. Before we start, Mace, you got to hold it like a non-rapper. Okay, okay. No, you're still holding it like a rapper. Okay. Yeah, yeah now we're talking. Go. Let's I actually, go. And I actually know better. I really do. <laughs> I know. You're yeah, looking yeah, at yeah, two yeah. people. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. Now you're fucking with the champs. Yeah. Hello, everybody. It's What's your favorite up? podcast. It's the champs. We're back once again. Yes. With another hip hop luminary. I mean, we can't. We're stop. three for three. Three right for now. three. This is crazy. We've had we had, we Search, had Search Kane, Big Daddy Kane, and uh, we have more coming our way. More coming. It's finally, I feel like we're fine. Our our reputation is finally catching up with us. Stella's getting um, his groove back, but for now, it's yeah. DJ Maceo from De La Soul. 
Great hip hop. True. Although I hate Legend because it makes you sound a thousand years old. We talked about that with (laughs) Kane. But uh, as I told Mazio via text yesterday, the great thing about Dayla is they looked forty even when they were (laughs) twenty. Um, Paz sixty seven. Uh, Paz look and he goes, No, Paz look forty. I go, No, he looks sixty seven. You know what? You look forty. Last week we were doing our top hip hop albums of all time, and I didn't mention Balloon Mindstay is 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 in for sure in my top five. Uh, I would I I wouldn't disagree. Amazing. Thank you. Uh, we'll level. get we'll warm the, up to the that. least successful album. Is that right? Well, that's <laughs> what I like. I, is it really? I go yeah, after the yeah. lowest well, guys, bottom line. Well, right. No, no, no. Honestly, now I can say Grind Date was the least successful. Oh album. yeah, but that yeah. yeah, but not a bad record. You you guys didn't make any bad records. That's true. Let's start from the top. How did you guys start? And uh, where are you from? What did you talk to us? Um, we met in, actually we came together in summer of 85. I had migrated from Brooklyn, New York to Long Island. That's a heck of a migration. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's hard to get that far. <laughs> in 84. <laughs> actually, that That's seemed, two stops in the LIRR. Go yeah, ahead. That seemed like a long, long distance, from, you know, when you're 14. Fucking you know? Harriet Tubman over here. <laughs> 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 so oh my God, so many of your family members died on that long trek. Follow, yeah, man, there is, it is a long way from Brooklyn. Keep the Long Island sound. Keep the Long Island sound on your an left. Hour drive, man. That's a long drive for a fourteen-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you didn't want to go. Yeah. But when I got out there, I met some cool friends. It all definitely. Where started. in Long Island were you? Um, I moved to Amityville, Long Island. All right, so it wasn't Roosevelt or anything. No, nah, it wasn't all Roosevelt. Right. It was. Right. Uh, beginning of Suffolk County. All right. Yeah. The real country part. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say where the white people are. Because, like, Roosevelt, fucking the Murphys are from there. And Dr. J and, and There's a Chuck lot of black D. people <laughs> in Long Island. You yeah. A whole lot of so-called Indians, you know. You know <laughs> Long Island, you know. Really, you might as well say black people, you know. Uh, in Long Island. Seriously. So you're a 14-year-old young man. 14-year-old young man moved to Long Island. Um, my last year in junior high school, ninth grade, uh, didn't do so well to get to the 10th grade, so I had to go to summer school. I met these two guys. Actually, it was three guys. You know, one guy who happened to not be a part of the group when things started to happen. But That's hilarious that the like the what's considered the most intelligent rap group in history met in summer school. Yeah. Yeah. Met in summer <laughs> school. Met in detention. Yeah. <laughs> we had, you know, two classes a day during summer school and Meanwhile we, DMX passed tenth grade with no problems whatsoever. Go ahead. <laughs> we would go we would go over, you know, one another's houses at you know, after class and start working on this music. I mean, we gravitated truly through the music. You Did know? you guys were, have any equipment or anything? Um, I had some turntables at, a t- at the time. Paz had like this Casio keyboard. It was a, a, a Casio SK-1. I mean, I was stuck on DJing since I was 12, you know, really stuck on it. My grandmother, I mean, I was introduced to it when I was six. But I tried everything like everyone else, and then I really got stuck on DJing. Wait, I, you were introduced to DJing when you were six. When years I was old? six years old, by who? Um, a, a guy named Ricky that dated this girl. I called my sister mm-hmm. at that time. Your play cousin. She was um, my 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 mom actually dated her dad. Okay, you know that was so, so we were like sister and brother, and she dated this dude named Rick, who had turntables, and he would let me 
play on it when I would come over to the house, you know. And my mom didn't want me touching it, but he would be like. But that was before, like, Rocket and shit, right? Yeah. Herbie Hancock and all that shit? 76, that was like. Super sperm, rocket in the pocket. Seventy six. Wow, was that he was like way a before Jamaican rocket. guy or something. No, nah, like, how nah. did he? He was, he, was, he, was he? he was half black Puerto Rican. He lived who the, in the fuck Bronx. is this dude? Yeah, who is this man? <laughs> who the fuck is he to have? <laughs> who nobody had fucking <laughs> turntables in seventy six. Ricky, ha- call ha- in right now. Half black, half black Puerto Rican dude who lived in the Bronx dated my sister Danielle. You know, that was my first real introduction, and then it just been something that had been around my life growing up in the boroughs, like. It was the birth of DJing. What did you when you said that you guys hip hop before it was called hip hop? You know right. What, I mean? what did you guys bond over in terms of like? Was it just early rap or was it like the last poets? Was it like so? What what was it? The three yeah, when between you, the three of us. When yeah. you were young, did, what um, did you say? We want to be like these guys. Who, um, who were them? The, the phenomenon of it being coming more mainstream and a, a force to be reckoned with was, was getting stronger and stronger. Here it is. It was. A weekend dream for most of us, just getting prepared for a party. Right. But it started hitting closer to home when, okay, I moved. When I moved to Long Island, I felt like I was getting further away from my dream of right. being of making a record. I tried to make a record when I was twelve with some other guys. Rhyming and you were and everything. A vet, you were a vet at that point. This was six years <laughs> in the game. Twelve <laughs> years old. You and Ricky. The I was a part DJs. of some group called the Vicious Trio. In 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 Brooklyn, and it was my people own. love it, saying how many people were in the group. They, they did trio, yeah, duo, yeah, yeah, right three, that time, four. It, it was vicious trio with Scratch Master Mace. That's what <laughs> it was. A lot of masters, a lot of masters back then. Yeah, I, if you notice, I kept the master because even um, the first album, I called myself Pace Master Mace, and I was an honor to Jam Master J and Grandmaster Flash. Right. You know? I think that all of us did it for that reason, for the most part. Um, but, yeah, it was me trying to do it then and moving to Long Island, feeling, feeling like I was getting further away from it because that's where it was really happening. Right. Until here comes Eric being Rakim, Rakim being from Wine Dance, um, JVC Force right there from um, Central Islip where they did a song called Strong Island. Here come EPMD. Craig Mack before he was Craig Mack in a group called Easy and Troop with a record uh, called Get Retarded. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that record. I even heard that record. I love that record. It's zoom, that, zoom, zoom, some, zoom, 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 zoom. Is it, is it downloadable? Yeah, it is. Is it really good? It is. It is. Oh, oh, so YouTube, all that's that. already that's my number one yeah, hip hop record of all time. Get retarded. Get retarded. Once again, on the B-side is the most delightful sound of Diamond J and Z. Yo, so funky, so, so funky. Yo, so small. I get the tar. One, two, three, and add the four, and if it is crowded, then push down the door and check out the adventures of um. PE came out, yeah. you know. They were from Long so Island. So it was yeah. more getting All closer. those guys were from, I didn't know that. Everybody's those, from Long Island. Really and it got closer to home where you felt like, whoa, we could do this. Because right. in my mind, really you were almost better off from Long Island than you were from the Bronx. Yeah, or, or actually, that yeah, point. truthfully. Yeah. Come on, even LL is from Long Island. Now. He doesn't yeah. really. But he represents Queen as she was raised up in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, you got to That is a cold, harsh fact of <laughs> yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's in the encyclopedia. Yeah, oh, yeah just, it had to be said. Uh, that was yeah. that was funny though. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Uh, K 
Kane found him funnier than me. I yeah, think. Neil and I which have hurt, an ongoing rivalry, which hurt me yeah. to my heart. <laughs> um. So uh, okay. So then, how do you? So then, you guys, you do parties for a couple years, doing parties around. I mean, I was known for doing the parties. You know, um, I made my first three hundred dollars when I was fifteen, doing some party in the neighborhood. That's a kept, lot of money. It, it kept, yeah. It kept growing from there. Um, I kind of felt like I was in the business once I made that three hundred dollars. Right. And yeah. Then, and then you know, you, there was cats like Biz Markie showing up to the parties I'm DJing at. Uh, Prince Markie D showing up. Uh, Coogee Rap showing up because they wanted to hear you, or just because? Well, they- these were the towns that sound systems were known for. More, it was more still a sound system era. So I would rock with a certain sound system, and I know it was like that in the early days of the rave scene. Actually, is like the sound this, system would become a celebrity on its own. Yeah, and it was really it was the dude who owned the sound system, and it was DJ Skip, who was the more the celebrity of the neighborhood, and it was all the other DJs who was. So you borrow Skip's? You, would you borrow better. Skip's? We would come play on this set. What I was kind of known for was being a new guy who had records. No one else had because I Got came it. from the city. And w- when you, uh, when you, you know, and when you and the other guys met, and when you started to record stuff in those early days, was there any inkling of the sort of spirit of what Dela was going to become, or was it just a bunch of kids, just kids doing our thing? So like, that kind of progressive it, or whatever thing you would describe Dela as that didn't that wasn't there at that in the beginning. It was still it, just it. It really progressed over our natural friendship of just hanging out, and when we finally got into. Being the different people that we are, like, obviously, Poss is the nerd. Dave is the bugged out Caribbean dude <laughs> right. in the group. I'm from Brooklyn. There's a rough edge. Uh, much as I got the smile on my face, I can definitely turn it another way because I have to maybe protect myself in different instances. But for the most part, yeah, there's a rougher edge. I think I might be from Brooklyn, too. There's, a, rough, there's a rougher edge that come, right. that people recognize with me than the other two. And, and that probably and, made for some good musical alchemy with the three different kind of spirits. It really, like, it really has. It really has. You know. Um, let's not even get. Okay, so how do you? So you party. You guys are doing. You're hanging out. Neighborhood parties like it, Long Island was a complete a song, different. Two songs, three songs as De La. Plug tuning came to life summer of '85, but it was completely a whole nother way. Ghetto thing came to life summer of '85. Um, What's um, ghetto thing? Um, it's just a ghetto thing. Mary had a little laugh. Who did it? Bit. Who did the song? Um, I programmed the beat. Dave had the bass line. Uh, you can, we can attribute. Okay, so that was a day It was, it was a right. collective production. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, I, I attribute the introduction of the production from Dave, and we did it so many different ways. But you, the final is what you hear on it's the, a daylight record All on right. the on the three feet high and rising. But that came to life eighty five. Three's a magic number. It came to life eighty five. Freedom of speak. These were all songs that were done on a four track. And really? they're all they're yeah. all floating around your world way before three feet high and rising. Way before three feet high and rising, right. but way before we even had a name for the group. You and know, you, what would we you do with friends. these songs? Sorry, what would you do with these songs? Put them playing, doing parties. No, Did these you... songs were private. Oh, got it. Literally, right. like, nobody knew we were a group. 
Got it. Really, Including we were, you guys. We were, <laughs> yeah, truthfully, even us. Because yeah. we were just getting up, making music, and then we would just go hang out. And a lot of times it would be the parties I would just show up and get on, or I was a, I was designated to do the party. And right. Cats would just hang out, dance, chill with the girls, you know, neighborhood right. stuff. Um, what would the other two guys do when you were DJing before you had coalesced as a group? Would they come hype the party up? No. David Merce, never, David Merce never grabbed the mic at no party ever, ever. Like, never, never. Like, one time I saw Dave grab the mic at a party. It was in the high school gym, and he did the beatbox, and he was in a beatbox battle. The only time Poss ever grabbed the mic at a party was right after we put out Plug Tuning. That was the very first time. And it was one other time we did the, we did the, we did the talent show at the school. And we did perform Ghetto Thing. And that was the one time. And you were, you guys were all in high school when we you came up with Three's a Magic Number. Yeah. Plug Tune. And That's yeah. pretty fascinating to think about. A high school? High school. High school talent show. And you're watching De La Soul, but you don't know. I mean, you don't yeah. know that you're watching. That's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. It was the talent show, and we performed a different version of Ghetto Thing. All right. So you have a bunch of songs floating around. And then how do you get on? How do you get on? Like, how do you how It's, do you it's all on cassette. Running into Prince Paul periodically. What was he doing at that point? At that time, Prince Paul was in a group called Stetsasonic. Oh, right, right. He had graduated high school in 85. So my year on the way up, he was on his way out. And that was when things were really taking off for him because On Fire came out, um, Just Say Stat. Then, you know, working up to, like, by the time I was – in 11th grade, Paul was well into his second album, which had, um, I think the album was called In Full Gear, and it had Sally on it, and DBC let the music play, talking all that jazz, right? all of that, you know. Um, so he's 19, 20. Yeah, he's about 20 at this point, yeah, 20, 21. You wow. got a good yeah. mind, man. You remember so much shit. Long, my long term memory memory is better than my short term. <laughs> right, gotta do with smoking pot. I no, think. I sm- we smelled your short term memory. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so so what does Paul say? Does he do you play your shit for him? Also, you're you're hip hopping us. Paul again, comes man. up to the school. He would Mace, always you're hip hopping us again, man. Oh my bad. Yeah, my bad. He's trying to spit. He was holding it by the you know, by the head. Of the I was mic. cuffing the mic, son. <laughs> So you so so do you play this cassette for Paul? Yeah, he comes up to the school around the time I love school is involved in any in your career at all. I mean, Amityville High School is pretty a monumental place. Long Island was like Brady Bunch life to a degree. You know, there were some harsh parts of it with the crack era, of course. Right. But traditionally the whole keg party and Football field and all that. It and was, was it mixed? Big, yeah, it was a definitely, um, you know, a lot of different ethnic groups kicking it. You know, right. Like, and did the white kids in, in that high school, did they have no, like, were they into hip-hop at that time at all? Or were they just like, we're going to go play rugby? Yeah, like, every, what, I don't know nah, what you guys are doing. Every, yo, it was crazy. Everybody did play either rugby or lacrosse, but everybody was into Red Alert and Chuck Chill Out, right. Molly Mall. And then here you had 92KTU with the Carlos de Jesus at a certain other hour. You know what I mean? It was right. That was still popping in that area. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sharing, you know, those essence of the 80s, like, all that music was great. It was a great right. time for integration, migration. When I went, moved to Long Island, I was like, what the hell is this? 
Because right. I lived in over here in Bed Stuy with nothing but black people, but then I'm bust the school to Benson's with a lot of white people. So you see the difference. You see the major contrast. I, again, <laughs> I, me and Moshe are smiling at each other because every episode I say that dudes, that black dudes that spend time with white people at a young age are better off long term than those that don't. Yeah. Yeah, and true. he disagreed with me for like a couple. I never months. disagree. It's just and an ongoing argument that you people don't want to hear from a white person because they think I'm like on some white power shit, uh, <laughs> which <laughs> he is, not, but that's not which connected. has got nothing to do with it. <laughs> the oh Long Island was the you know I could say one of the best true cultural experiences in my life. Like you know, you know I I got a lot of white friends truthfully yeah. from Long Island. You know, and I, I truly that has. Tremendously helped me out through the rest of my life, you know. Not to sidetrack you off this. <laughs> I know it does, though. That's, that's what's fucked up. It does. Yeah. Not to sidetrack you off this story, but do you think that you would have made it in the hip hop world had you never moved to Long Island? Because you had those dreams already in Brooklyn. Where do you? When I think about, probably not. Probably not. You know, definitely. it took white people. No, <laughs> but you would have gotten I mean, something. I mean, already coming up in Brooklyn, I was. A unusual kid anyway you know um the bravado that always exists amongst the culture even at that early age um a young kid coming up in certain conditions in the boroughs was forced to be to be a bit more mature than he really should be right so here it is i, I like to be fun and happy go lucky i am the class clown and all of that you know and those are, and here it is i was once a kid who wore crazy looking glasses and things like that and those moments of dealing with the peer pressure of being teased in these environments that are traditionally looked at one way yeah I've learned how to fight <laughs> that funny jokey chubby kid you know with the crazy glasses learn how to kick ass right. after especially getting my ass kicked so many times you know but Long Island was um, a lot more broader Thinking, living, you know. Um, it sounds like that thing that we were talking about where that De La Soul spirit, whatever that is, came from, probably came in some way from that weird melting pot cultural. Of course it did. Because yeah. I don't think if you're the hard one, meaning if you and you're like part nerd and part like free spirit and part like yeah, I'm, I'm not just all I, about black I, I culture. I claim my nerd. I do yeah. claim my nerd. I yeah. do. I claim it. Um, all right, so I've as well you should. My nerd. Right. Here's but something my nerd has allowed me to learn how to fight. Yeah, but this nerd, <laughs> this yeah. nerd you took right a nerd's here, dude. approach to fighting. Yeah. You got to write that book, man. <laughs> you did it with formulas and shit. The whole fight slowed down. You see, like fucking like Sherlock Holmes, or you'd see well, like that, vectors. I mean, and shit. that was a whole kind of theme in Three Feet High and Rising, right? Was like, well, we'll you call us hippies, but we'll beat your ass. Okay, we're actually. Well, but, but, let's just get before. We, let's, I'm trying to in. jump ahead. No, I know. Let's get into I don't it. Let this All right, so happen. Paul, God damn it, Mace just slapped Moshe's hand and gave him a pound. Uh, <laughs> Neil's getting so jealous. He's my friend. I know. Uh, he'll never have what you no have. Doubt. Uh, God. God damn it. Uh, all right, so you, so Paul, listen, you, you play. Paul comes to your school. You Paul play comes up him. to the school. This just happens like out of nowhere. I'm getting ready to go to my next class. <laughs> the conduit is always the cafeteria. The cut through to go to any class in the freaking school, 
And this is everybody comes up through the parking lot, come through the cafeteria. I see Paul. Was Paul there to like through. mac on young girls or something? What was he doing? <laughs> He's just chilling nah. like R. Kelly in the playground. Could be. I don't know. No, I don't think so. By the way, I I was talking to Rock Chris Rock about the the uh, the, R. Kelly the, article. the R. Kelly article, and he goes, "R. Kelly's basically just a black version of Matthew McConaughey from Dazed and Confused." Yeah, that's really <laughs> interesting. <laughs> that's amazing. I just oh, like God fucking cheese with more Christ. talent. No, of Matthew course. McConaughey like, wasn't doing like, shit in days. Like he's just hanging out at the high school for too long. You <laughs> right. can't get over that shit. Um, and he, all right, so so Paul's there. Are you? Do you know who he is? And do you freak out? Are no, I like, know oh, Paul's. Just, that that was the thing. I didn't freak out like everybody else was freaking out. And here it is. Everyone else grew up with him, and it's the world around Paul that's changing, not Paul, because mm-hmm. he's having a success. You know, mind you, when we think back, we even talk about it now. It's like the success wasn't even that big, but to right. us, it was huge. Cause always, yeah, it's always like that. You know, yeah. we we didn't hear the record until the weekend, anyway. You know, only video show that was playing that's it was funny. was Ralph McDaniel's. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it was everything to us. Yeah, you know, it was. It, it was. It still is everything to me, but. To see how everybody was truly making a big deal out of it, and when I really actually got to know Paul, he's like, he always, and I re- I repeat this in my own life to this day, yo, man, way more fame than fortune, way more fame uh-huh. than fortune. He's like, yeah. I do this because I really love it, like, the things that I go through, and then he started talking about the group situation, and the more he starts sharing those stories, but when we initially met, it was definitely behind the music, and me always saying that I had something to play and there's something about me. He just like, yo, you always say that. What you doing right now? Right. I end up cutting the rest of the day. I went with Paul. You know, he's... I love he's like... There's that inspirational there's coach. That summer you know, school spirit. That's I, the I, spirit. I know he's like an inspirational coach. He's like, come on, cut class. Come on, Let's yeah. make something yo, in your I life. Cut, I cut class. I just, <laughs> I just made a judgment call and just said, yo, nothing right now. He's like, what you doing? I'm like, nothing. So where'd you go? Your house, his house. We so ride. We ride house. the neighborhood first, and he's playing the the in full gear album. You know things I knew that when it got to the album, they even had to change some things because of samples or what have you. But the all the pre stuff that they were doing for the album, I was like, "Yo, this is dope." And he's like, "I'm glad you like it," but he's like, "This is the stuff I want to try." You know, and I'm having struggles with my group, so he start playing these wild little bugged out skits and things like that, and I'm like, "Dude." This is like right up our alley. I was like, I need to play you some stuff, you know? He's like, let's go to your house right now. And my house got cassettes now. <laughs> cassettes. Go get them. We playing them in his system. I played them now. The version of Plug Tuning that we really feel good about. I played them Freedom of Speak. The version we really feel good about. Just to clarify, at this point, De La Soul has only ever performed at a talent show. Yes. <laughs> And you're supposed to be in class. And I'm supposed to be <laughs> yeah, in yeah. class. Yeah. The police are looking for you. The truant officer. The truant officer, the truant officer, officer, truant officer, officer was looking for me. Shaking Mr. his fist. Mr. Chirillo. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I like how you know the truant officer's fucking name. That's hilarious. Yeah, we used to have cut parties. They called Gary Small's cut parties. Big up to Gary Small. <laughs> Mr. Chirillo used to come over there looking for all of us. That's hilarious. But yeah, playing the, all those demos that we did on 4Track. In my house, like, even the duping of cassettes. That was, like, some of our first recordings, just constantly dubbing cassettes and dubbing cassettes. We got this major hiss, but we got all the production laid down and formatted the way you want to. So I play all that stuff for, for, 
for uh, Paul, and he was like, yo, this is amazing. This is right. He's like, I have to do this. He's like, I need a meeting with you guys. He's like, he's like, tell your boys we need to get up. What class are they in right, right now? We have um, to go. I don't know if we can do a know. meeting right now because <laughs> Dave's got know. his paper he's route. His after, he's at the pizza place. <laughs> I don't even know. So, Paul's, so you guys have a meeting, and we Paul's have, like. Yeah, we have a meeting like a couple of days after that, you know, go over Paul's house. You know, well, as far as I can remember, he goes, y'all, I can't make you guys no promises, but let's take this stuff in the studio and clean it all up. Like, really right. put some real professional quality on this. So he took all the ideas in, and then, you know, Paul also started marrying other samples to the things that we had. So, you know, he coming in was great, you know, because it was like having a fourth member with a a good view on what we were trying to deliver, you know. He helped bring a lot to life. You know? Right. He felt like... And he just so happens to be a great producer. It's just yeah, one of those yeah. weird fucking things. It's like yeah, some he, guy he, from he, your school. He, he's, a, he's, he, he's a really dope producer. But unfortunately, you know, fortunately and unfortunately, we are great producers as a group as well, and we never got that credit for that, you know. Um, it was definitely like Paul was a fourth member of the group, and we all had significant stuff that we brought to right. the table. Here it is. I was responsible for me, myself, and I. Poss is responsible for entirely a lot, and that we all end up building on. Because I can truly say this was an era when MCs knew what they wanted to rap to. They were heavily involved in the production, which made the concept of the lyrics and the track really come to life you know that it wasn't like everybody was just designated a job you know we all shared the same role pretty much right even if i had an idea for a chorus that's what it was going to be you know we just didn't understand those titles back then oh producer co-producer yeah, yeah. producer that's fascinating co but i always say the music business is so fucked up in that you guys just take each other's word for it Meaning, like, you just go in, yeah, you and you go, go and, then, and, and then they divide credit up later, and people get fucked well, money-wise and well, credit-wise. Well, what happens, and, one thing, I, I don't blame Paul for none of it, yeah. because there was also a limited of experience he had yeah. just coming out of being in a group and dealing with some convoluted behavior over there, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So I can't blame him for any of that, yeah. you know? But I do blame the people who do have that experience, who warranted that experience, like... You know, much respect to Dante Ross, but the production supervisor should have been Prince Paul. You know, that was the title of the quote-unquote executive producer back then. And what was Dante's credit? And Dante Ross was production supervisor. Got it. You know, I think in all fairness, he was the A&R. Oh, but he just was like, well, this will do. I don't know. I, I think whatever. that was just something that was done just with the lack of knowledge on our end. Right. And, you know, I can't say... Dante was responsible for that. I don't know. That I don't yeah. know. Here it is. He's he works for the label. Right. So that could have been. Tom, How did you even get the could label? Have been Monica. That's my question. Well, we the the odd option we had out of a lot of other artists that we had the options. We they went shopping at A and M Records. This was around the time when major labels was trying to make transitions into hip hop now, but doing it on a small scale with small right. budgets because they were what they see. Tommy Boy, what Tommy Boy has been doing and Def Jam has been doing and everybody wanted us, but the offers were whack. Like, right. you know, they was definitely like, okay, KRS-One gave us the blueprint 
of how to handle your business. But the record company now. Directly? Like- you know, Karis won, you know, his introduction to the business, it was like in being informative, letting rappers know, don't let's not get robbed like flashing them back in right. the day or Sugar Hill. And did, you know, okay, so he- us new era of rappers was inquiring that knowledge and we were keen on like not trying to get fucked, you know? Right. You know, so, but it definitely would come back, you know, you may know the business, but know where you stand. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm the dude with the money invested in your dream. You know, and we made the most sound option in going with Tommy Boy because they got experience at hip hop. You know, everybody was getting into the business and just because they see where it's going and it's the new trend slash fad in their eyes. But Tommy Boy had been in the game. And here it is. They've been. And what did what did Russell think of you guys? Russell came to us. After the fact, we Got even it. went to Def Jam first, but then he he came back to us later. You you can also tell from what was on Def Jam that they were in a different space. Yeah, All right. Right. that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. there was a, a bravado that was birthed through Russell. Yeah. that they didn't quite see. Come on, we was too soft hearted for what he was already promoting. You right, know? if it was anything soft in his eyes, it was like Houdini. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, dancey or stuff, yeah, or whatever. mother or outfits, ladies lover kind of thing, yeah, you right. know. All but, right, so you make the record that takes a year. Uh, yeah, it took about a year. Say, yeah, about eight, nine months. Like we, you got you guys like, oh shit, we're making a record. There's just a lot going on, good and bad. Shit that's going on in my life. Got a kid on the way. All kinds of stuff going on. Still got my foot in the hood. With certain things, because I'm in <laughs> single parent home and all of that, and your crazy glasses are now learning, only a monocle. Learning that, <laughs> learning that um, Long Island wasn't that much different from the city, and the crack era just just destroying everything. <laughs> and it's to come up for some of us, and and destruction at the same time. And I'm in the mix of that, trying to make this record with my crew and. You know, everybody's dealing with their own level of struggle. You know, Poss, you know, of course, I'm thinking Dave Immerse coming from really good homes, but Poss at this time, his mom's got cancer. And, you know, she died right before the first single came out. So mm-hmm. he's dealing with something, yeah. you know. You know, Dave's people's already, like, you know, dealing with the um, migration of coming from Haiti. Still deal with, like, you know, having to reinstate uh, their citizenship and all that right. crap so they were dealing with that and i'm dealing with what i'm dealing with we having this dream come to life but dave's still off the school pops making his way off the school <laughs> you're making a record and they're going to uh, school i'm going to school we would be high school i'm still in high school amazing pops oh, had wow. graduated pops graduated the year plug tuning came out he graduated no he graduated 87 I was supposed to graduate 88 the year it came out. I ended up graduating in 89 when Three Feet High and Rising came out. And in the, midst so of, in the midst of all of this, I'm going back and forth to school. We hanging out in Latin quarters, taking the Long Island Railroad back home. I'm going right from Long Island Railroad to class, you know, making the best of it, you know, trying to really finish school in the process of all of this happening. Are you performing Latin quarter or you're just fucking around? No, just really doing what Paul feel is necessary to be seen. 
Got it. So we got to be in front of everybody at right. all the hot spots from the quarters to Red Parrot to whatever the spots are. Right. With whatever our image is at the time, you know. How I mean? are you guys dressing at this point? I mean, Tashini suits, you know, back in the day when before they came, would be with, the the, Sergio came with the Tashini Sergio Tashini sweatsuits. Um, Generally burgundy. Yeah, or or or, or 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 tan, or tan, or or green, or green. Green was also a green hot and color. black. Yeah, sure. Uh, when travel fox shoes, sneakers, you know. Okay, so the yeah. record. So you so you start to get a feel that the record might pop. You start to. What do you? It's just like oh, uh, when Plug Tuna came out. to light after doing the sessions at Calliope and then going hanging out the club, and Plug Tuna finally came to light with the test presses. Um, Red Alert was all over it. Chuck Chillout was on it. P Fine was on it. Um, so they're playing it on the right. Big, they're big, playing on the radio. Remember big Dr. Dre. You know, I gotta say these guys' names because this is all we had on the weekend. Yeah. You know, when it came down to wanting to be a rap star. I mean, everybody in the game couldn't really be who you it's are. It's so crazy that it even in '88 it was still marginal. I remember right. in high school a girl saying to me, "There's gonna be an all rap show on MTV." And and she thought it was called Yo Raps MTV, and I was uh-huh. like, No, it's called Yo MTV Raps. Oh, you were you were I down won, at that. Mo- at that I point. won twenty bucks. Yeah, oh, shit. yeah, I won twenty dollars on that bet. Uh, <laughs> but but no, it was so marginalized, it was hard to find. And so yeah, that you would uh, you would only get played. On, uh, Yo MTV Raps was a weekend. TV show on MTV on Saturday yep. at ten o'clock, and they you would have- say it was for an hour, but it was really thirty minutes because they had all these commercials, you know. Yeah. But, well, you had a you had a video that was being that was getting play on your MTV rap. Um, it was Potholes in My Lawn. Oh, and, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Potholes in My Lawn was the first video. You know, it was not too far after. Like, I mean, this was the era where we didn't even catch album deals in the beginning. It was like, let's try this twelve inch first. Right. Depending on how this do, the label has the option to do another single, which you are not doing. Did anything. you guys have a deal, or did you had the test deal? We had the test deal. Wow. Yeah. So, and, what was the response? Cause it came back strong. It was like Boston was hopping with it. L.A. was hopping with it. You know, Latin community getting wind of the name De La Soul. And right. Yeah, interesting. That hopped, you know. It was certain things that was working for it, you know. Uh, Texas, that's when the sound was still kind of slow for Texas, the screw, the chop and screw. Early. All the way back then. Back, back then. Interesting. You know, um, we were doing – Early shows with Ghetto Boys and Sir Mix a Lot back wow. then. Wow, that's a very strange you know? lineup. <laughs> Yo, man. I mean, I bet no. I mean, that's when hip hop was all under one roof. Right. Like you know, everybody always want to say the native tongue era, but it was more to it than just us. It just we happened to catch major mainstream love, but there was still Diamond D, Brand Nubians, mm-hmm. Nice and Smooth. You know, there Chub Rock, Special Ed. Like it, there was an era of us. Right, it was right. just diverse. We was all diverse. I, I guess the ones that came more like-minded was us, Jungle, and Tribe. But here it is. Even Moni was different from us. So was Black Sheep. That's right. why they was called Black Sheep. Well, let me ask you. Do you have a feeling, without dissing anybody else, why is it that De La and Tribe you know, and, uh, pop up above like ch- your Chub Rocks and, and, and Nice and Smooth? Why, in the, in the memory of hip-hop, are you got, do you think you guys are remembered in a different way? We, we came right at the peak of, of, of hip-hop hitting that mainstream format. 
like beginning to earn that respect for the mainstream format. I mean, even I think business decisions that we were guided to make early on, you know, we end up going with uh, Rush Management, who was totally in control of the politics of hip-hop at that time. That's Russell's Russell's, Russell Simmons and Leo Cohen, you know, ran hip-hop, you know, from a management standpoint, even as well with Def Jam, you know. It was... um, it was a revolution happening at that time where, where the genre was coming from, how it was diversifying and transcending into mainstream. And I think Tommy Boy, out of respect of being there first, caught that wave. Right. You know, I don't really think Tom Silverman was really heavy into the culture like that. He was definitely, he just stumbled on the business and him and Bambada happened to be friends. You know, he definitely saw the business clearly, but the sustainability of the genre and the culture, I think it had a lot to do with Leo and Russell, you know, and I, and I give a lot of props to Leo. Really, I really do, man. You know, Jewish, Jews, man. man. Oh, I, I was already thinking it. I mean, you I was right already, there. You're right on it. I He's was very, very happy to you hear know, that. That, that. That combination of these two guys, you know, and the barriers I, I Leo helped knock down, the doors he helped knock down for hip-hop to sustain in the mainstream format, definitely with the arena tours. That brought the, that struck the match to it all, really, because here it is, NWA was on these tours. We were all on these tours together, but NWA was on this on these tours without, with only neighborhood publicity. They went went nowhere past a PBS channel. You know, they didn't have radio play on mainstream right. television. And we're selling out fifteen to 20,000 arenas just... Were us. you opening for NWA or another tour? We all opening for LL. Oh, yeah. That, that, that yeah, NWA yeah. tour was the one Too Short was talking we about. We all opening yes. for LL. Too Short was on this tour as well. And this one, LL didn't have a good record out that year either. Mm-hmm. He had Walking with a Panther out. That's, again, Rock said that LL, his, 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 uh, Rock, uh, uh, LL will make a good record, then he'd make a shitty record, he'd get mad about people's response to the shitty record, and then he'd make a good record. And oh, just, from the fuel he did from that, the bad, yeah, he, he had did to that. make bad records then. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. Um, did, uh, okay, so, so you guys are considered like the sort of hippie rappers, right? Yeah. And then you got sick of that. Um, it was happening. It was just a misunderstanding of what was taking place in the process. Like we knew like the minute people start adapting that idea, that's, this is what we're doing. The very thing that's blowing us up going to kill us. Uh huh. It's going to, it's going to kill us. It's like we the need, Beastie Boys fight for right to party we, thing. It's we like need they you knew to see yeah. the music more than you see this image. Right. And what we're saying is the Daisy age is not what you're saying. You know, it's like, the Daisy Age mean completely something different to us. You what know? did it mean to you? It means the inner, it was an acronym. It means the inner sound, y'all. Just the sound from within us that's just true and honest, letting out every emotion, you know, of who we are just as people, you know. Dave was like, yo, man, we just need to be ourselves. Like, even ourselves that our friends don't even know about, you know. Like, you know, we have so much fun when we get together, just the three of us, and we let our true innocence come out when we doing the music together. That's something that we just need to do for the rest of the world, regardless to what 
people might come back and say. I, at the end of the day, Mace, you know who you are. I know who I am. Posh, you know who you are, you know. That is interesting. I mean, basically, De La, you can hear you guys having fun more than maybe Digital Underground. Those are like the two bands where you can hear the group having fun. And the Beastie Boys, yeah. And the Beastie Boys, I mean, that's yeah. the most I could say, truly, especially with the shit I was dealing with in my life, the most I could felt like my, my true innocence could come out and not be judged or thinking that somebody going to play me out because I'm just right. trying to be a kid, really. Right. You know, because hearing other times, oh, he's a sucker. You know what I mean? And then I'm right. into some shit. Right. Because I'm just trying to be a kid. I got know? Edge. I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> I've been DJing since six. I knew Ricky. Nah, but yeah. if I get up and I slap you with this two by four that just happened to be on the ground because we playing in the park and somebody broke the fence accidentally and you fucking with me. I, oh, and there's a two by four right there. Yeah, this nice, chubby, playful kid just smacked the shit out you with his Because ultimately, I'm scared about what's going to happen to me. That's the real deal. Yeah, you right. know what I'm saying. So yeah. that and that message is very clear <laughs> on, th- on, on 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 your first uh, on six, uh, three feet higher was like very clear. Like you guys, that that was a message. It was there. We're not you say we're hip. It no, was we're not. It was slightly there on the beginning, but it more so came out on De La Soul is dead. Yeah. Okay, so you knew early on, like, what, how you were going to be perceived. Yeah, pretty and, much. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then... It was a struggle, too, man, to accept that, because we got in a lot of trouble on the first tour. Like on For that, what? In what way? We was fighting a lot. With each oh, other. We were fighting more than NWA? We was fighting... <laughs> with yo, each other? Really, with we, crowds? That's amazing. With, with, with people on, like, going city to city. And people just trying to play us. Like, I drew, we drew a strong allegiance with Kane and them because we would help each other in different situations. Like, we got kicked off that tour because we were fighting so What'd much. What'd you do? <laughs> Tell us that story. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. We've got I mean, time. It was those moments where, yo, people definitely thought we were just soft, man. Right. Oh, and, so they would question And being you. the rookie rapper of the year, not only having issues with the production company of the tour – and pretty much acting out very infantile in business situations, you know, that was definitely, they were doing us wrong, but we could have handled things a lot better. Right. We would flip over the the the, the, the table yeah. in the dressing room yeah. and all of that, you know, that was infantile. They were but doing you wrong, they just weren't paying you enough? No, it had nothing to do with the payment. It had a lot to do with the accommodations and the treatment. Got it. You know, that just What was the order? Of that tour. We were first. We were openers. You're um, hip-hopping me again, by the way, on the mic. We were the opener act. Um, then it was it was flip-flop, but the majority of the tour, we were the opener act. Then it would be N.W.A. Then it would be two. No, then it would be Slick Rick and Too Short, then L.L. And it would flip-flop back and forth. <laughs> that's a laughably great show. I mean, right? That's yeah. It would fl- flip-flop back show. and forth between Too Short and Slick Rick. And then Kane came on the tour a little later, and then Kane was co-headlining. And then with that, LL, yeah, Kane was the co-headliner, and then it would be Too Short and Slick Rick that would bounce back and forth. It would go back and forth between Too Short, Slick Rick, and Kane as the co-headliner, depending on what cities we were. And in. were you friends with NWA? You were friends with all these guys. We all were fans of one another, and we all had met each other pretty much for the first time. And then that, did, you, tour, you, did you have good relationships on the tour? I had great relationships. Like, that was the best rap tour I've been on in my life, you know. Hilarious. Next to Spit Kicker, you know. Here at Spit Kicker, I was an elder statesman. Right. That was, I was the new jack out there. And Still have I, I, 
And the oldest I guy in the about, tour was probably I learned about the, the, the cocktail drink sex on the beach and buffalo wings from Big Daddy Kane. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, the fact that you never heard of sex on the beach from Long Island, that's fucked up. That's surprising. <laughs> Do you remember any crazy stories from that tour? Um, Hell yeah. Come on, give us Go, some, man. Give Come on, some man. good ones. Oh, shit. Oh, man. Okay, wait a minute. Let me see. Uh, easy E, Cube, Trey. Well, Easy E, God bless the dead, man. Yo, what they used to call Easy? The, the Thrill Seeker. That's what they used to call Easy. The Thrill Seeker. And it's, God bless the dead, man. Much respect, but. I can understand why he did get the virus, dog. Like, he used to <laughs> barbarically grab <laughs> hoes. <laughs> Yo, pop me easy. Yeah. God bless, man. What, you, you know I'm not up, lying, fam. Yeah. You think he's you know up there upset about that? No, nah, he's like, right. <laughs> he probably laughing his ass off. Yeah. You know, but he used to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he used to barbarically grab chicks up. You know, it was that era of real live groupies back then, man. Like, I think we caught the very end of that because here it is. I missed the Dope Jam tour. I missed the Fresh Fest. Those were the years I was a fan dreaming of doing that shit. So I can imagine, you know, but to catch the tail end of that and watch certain antics of different people. Did, I, did, did you notice that the women that would approach you guys were different than the women that would approach uh, NWA or was it just hip hop groupies? Period? It was hip hop groupies, period. It, yo. It it changed as the years went along, and the dynamics is really funny, because after that tour, hip hop then began to get uh, segregated. Right. You know, but the same hoes come out to the same shows. <laughs> I don't care what you say. Like when it got segregated, okay. If it's now most deaf, common, De La, the Roots, right? The same hoes show up with the head wraps and the incense and That's all hilarious. that. They just get geared up for the for they the nature of outfits. the event. Yeah. And then if it's Snoop, DMX, you know, uh, Jay Z, yeah. Ja Rule, they'll put on the mini skirt and the pumps. <laughs> and the same hoes, the same hoes. Now let me not take away from the real women that do show yeah, up, yeah, yeah, but yeah. the reality is they know their role when they come out and they know how to get dressed to the na- for the nature of the event. I mean, hoes go to church, man. Come on. They know how <laughs> yeah. to, you know. Get to- <laughs> they, have change, they have a change of clothes. Uh, okay, so you're, okay, so then your, your records, are they selling well? The record was doing extremely well. You know, it was. Did, they, did you guys go platinum at all? Um, that was um, a, a bit of a fight with the label. You know, here it is. You couldn't prove platinum at that right. time because there was no sound scan. Oh, yeah, that's hilarious. So there was that, no sound was, scan until like ninety one. Yeah, or? so that was so they would no sound scan you. was like ninety three. I believe. Yeah, like so they would keep it from you. Perfection of sound scan. Right, ninety three. <laughs> like, yeah. So unless it was obvious that it was platinum, they would try. To yeah, keep but it from they you were so they keeping it from so so we didn't have to renegotiate. Uh huh. You know, there's those terms in the contract that allow you to renegotiate, provide you guys certain sales. Right. You know and. They were holding it's like back tickets that. at a comedy club, man. Yep. Trying to hit that bonus. Yeah, yep. there you go. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
You know, that bar guarantee. All oh, yeah, that, I've been yeah. in a club. It'll be sold out. And I'll be like, I got my bonus, right? And the dude will walk me over to one empty chair and point at him. I'm like, yeah, come sorry. on, man. Come on, man. You couldn't, I I you couldn't buy that back? I, right. No, right. I know. That, right. I've, almost, I've come so close to doing that, buying 40 tickets. Yeah, absolutely. And just so I can get my bonus. Right. Even if I don't make money, it's like, fuck you. If I make $20, it's worth it. Right. I had a waitress one time whisper to me, they brought in 50 chairs over the fire limit. Yo, man. This, I learned this business so well behind the shit we've been through. What's it like as you guys start succeeding? You're touring, you're making some money, you're so, moving, you're 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 making records more. You're yeah. bigger budgets for records, shit like that. Bigger budgets for records, more money for touring. By the way, I'd like to know. point out how dudes from New York say record, records, record, record. It's the best. It is <laughs> good. There's nothing better than a New record. York. Than a New York hip-hop record. It's the fucking best. Dudes from like the 80s and 90s call records. No doubt. <laughs> records. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so you start and, and are you, are, is it like a dream fulfilled and you're like, this is great? What was it? What was it like? No, it was awesome. Like every part of it was awesome. Like the creative part, the, the, the energy and the nervousness of that transition and deciding on what we're going to do business-wise. All this big decision-making on a record just naturally taking off. You right. know, we just being kids following the success. Like, we weren't being proactive. We were reacting. You know, right. we just, like, the, the dream part was done. We made the record. Like, honestly, after plug tuning, Dave was really off in his studies. Poss was off in his studies. What do you mean by that? You know, they were in they were in college already. Interesting. I'm I'm finishing high school. I'm like, okay, plug tuning is done. <laughs> Just can't stop going to school. Yeah. Dave will not stop learning. I, I think you still I, sound a little bit surprised by the whole thing. Yeah, cuz cuz I, I I can't front dog. I still pinch myself to this day knowing the era we come from with it. Like right. it was literally a dream where now it could you could really present this as an occupation like dudes are uploading their songs from home. And if it if it click, it click. And a lot of it is shit that clicks. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So really, like, you had to be co-signed in right. this game back then. Like, I wanted the respect of Chuck D. I didn't care about MTV, BET, right. or, you know, let alone. Yeah, I did care about radio because I cared about who my favorite DJ was on playing on the radio, just, you know? Just to give the listeners a, a view of what's happening here, Mezo did not show up with an entourage. He showed up with one guy. But as the episode has gone on, we now have an entourage in the <laughs> building. This is very exciting stuff. Yeah, we feel very good about this. There, and it's a multicultural. Yeah. It's a white guy. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real diverse it's a, it's entourage. It's a search-looking white guy. <laughs> the search was here last yes, year. Yes, that, that, that was great. That was great. That was great. Because we've been calling him that for years. Yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> Like a light caramel-looking dude yeah. with a with a he's got an Oakland hat on, so that's warming me up to him already. The white guy has an Oakland hat on. Uh-huh. Oh, there you go. So yep. We're very happy about this. Um, all right, so it's my West Coast click. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, well, they say so records. That's my Canadian yeah. click right yeah. there. <laughs> all right, so you, so it starts going well, and then you're just sort of off to the races. And how many records did you guys make? Um. I mean, it was just the first al- process of the first album. The single, we were truly, we were done when it was plugged tuning. I was ready to go to the military after I was done with high school. You just had to go to school somewhere. Well, <laughs> that's the era of like, 
we hated school, but we knew we had to do this for our parents. That's just that's just something right. I knew. Like no matter where I went in life, my mom's was like, "Please, can you just do this for me?" Right. So we all got a soft spot with our parents with what they wish and hope from us. I don't care whatever you do. Okay, if you're going to become right. a drug dealer, at least finish high school. <laughs> <laughs> Be a smart drug dealer. Yeah. <laughs> Learn how to count. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, but then you, I finished school, but I was, I was ready to make that transition to go to the military because, yeah, I did have one foot in the street. So you still didn't really believe that Dale no, was a thing. No, I believe that shit, man. Like, here it is. The dream was accomplished by creating the record. But I knew I got to make some money. But That's you've been on an arena tour out. already? Hmm? You've already been on an arena tour at this point? In nah, your- with Plug Tuning, at this point I was, with Plug Tuning, it came out during the process of me finishing high school. Um, I didn't start hitting arena tours till I was, until I was actually in the year of 80. 88, 89, not so, 87, 88, but 88, 89. So what was the moment where you and, all said, oh, shit, this is our career now. We're, when we're going to be hip-hop stars. We end up in the midst of that year, and I'm finishing high school. Dave dropped college. Posh dropped college. The demand of having to be at certain events to push the songs and the, and the, the records that were already in play for the album to launch. Right. We end up now doing a bunch of shows with Too Short and Three Times Dope, different different yeah. places. And then next thing you know, it was Too Short and Tone Loke. And then it was uh, Tone Loke and uh, uh, Tika and Bunny. Remember? Nah, we like man. the cars. Damn, my man. He knows. He knows. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hip hop cred established. <laughs> <laughs> Shows with, uh, shows with Luke Skywalker, you know, and, yeah. and um, Two Live Crew. Yeah. Um, These are all so incongruous to me, the thing yo, with Daylon and, 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 uh, and Two Live Crew together. Yeah, us and, um, uh, what's his name, a Young MC, we had some dates. It would be us and Ken Play and salt and Pepper and Slick Rick. Like, us and Heavy D and Regina Bell <laughs> and Tito Puente. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it would be a mix and match of a lot of stuff yeah. too, and, and 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 colleges was having us most of the time back then, so it was just things just happening. Us and Jungle Brothers was a reoccurring thing. Yeah, you know. When did Native Tongues? When did it one? really took light with Buddy? The mm-hmm. song Buddy was what really. I mean, we were that was already on the second record. That was on Three Feet High and Rising. Oh, it was on the first one. All that right. all happened like instantaneously around that time. We just naturally gravitated. We met in Latin quarters. We had a few shows together. Then the next thing you know, we meeting up at Mike G's grandmother's house. And we in their grandmother's house, and this house is full of records. Everywhere you look, records and sneakers. Everywhere, like. His grandma was a sneakerhead like that? <laughs> <laughs> that was dope. Thank you very, very much. Good, that was Neil. dope. That Thank was you. dope. You're on top, Neil. Thank you very much. I used to, guys, that I used was to dope. Too. That used, was real dope. I used to write for TV, guys. I wish you could see <laughs> what Neil was doing right now. CC.com. You can download my news. That was dope. If you could see Neil is all but standing on the table right now bowing. Pretty great. Uh, and then, okay, so I, I, here's what I want to talk about. You must have had a I, – I know guys – you guys have a lot of white fans. Yeah. 
and that never did that bother certain members, not certain members? Did it? Nah, because I feel like that's part of your the reason I, you've been around so long. I think it bothered Dave for a little while. Yeah. Well, Dave has a problem. Seriously. All right. Guys, yeah, yeah, listen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, we do what we can. That was good. We do what we can. That was good. That was good. That was good. That was good. Thank you. That was good. No, that was no fucking sneakerhead like that. But that was no, good. that wasn't a sneakerhead at all. But it was something. That I mean, was inside. I was like, yeah, that was some Mason, you gonna catch this? I caught it. That was yeah. good. That was good. Yeah. I was waiting for you to catch it. Did I fuck right. up? Did I do so, something wrong? Wait, is that not them? Oh no. Um, all right. So you. So Dave had a little problem. I think in the beginning, Dave had a slight problem because it was. Constantly, things that were coming up that would be like opportunities with fine young cannibals or right. Madonna or um, uh, you two or um, just opening for them or opening doing... for them. You yeah, know? and that was felt what annoying or patronizing or just why aren't these big black acts? Or what is, what was the problem? Thinking that th- this was a real tough time in hip hop where. If you had a certain level of success, people begin to feel like you were selling out. There's also right. that in there was as that. a black artist, if white people like you too much, you're kind of like, are we doing something fucked up? Are we doing something fucked up? Are we selling out to our selling out our people because we don't we're doing more of this and then that, right. you know? And by the design of how things are, there's less bookings in the black community than it is in the right. white community. It's just, just overall. Overall, period. yeah. Right. And definitely there was a, a bit more interest about us coming from the white community. People were liking hip-hop more because of I bet you guys made a killing at colleges. Oh, yeah, just, we did. Yeah, we yeah definitely I bet did. you did. Yeah. It didn't slow down until like 98. Yeah, I believe know, that. The new influx of kids coming in and all of that. Yeah. You know, but f- funny... It's coming back around. I believe that I, I too. Think, I bet. Yeah. I think we're starting to have that effect that Jonah Tito, wears that Tito Puente and Miles Davis and them was having when we were coming up. Uh, well, that's, I can't, what, that's what I'm talking about. It's like somehow De La and, and Tribe and, and certain groups they maintain their their longevity in the mind of of hip hop. Like it just uh, it, it's not. And like, you probably diversified. You did Lollapalooza too, right? Yeah, we did Lollapalooza. That must have been like sort of. Once, I mean, at a certain, once, so what? Once. What was your? What did Dave make peace with the with the with white with white audience? Yeah, he did. He he eventually did. I, I don't know what gave him the epiphany, but. Probably he a did. bank account. Uh, the statement check. I, I, um, after watching the how hip hop has been declining in so many ways, and the lifespan of what yeah. it's traditionally supposed to have, and what we've been a what we've been blessed to sustain, especially with all the darkness that goes on with record company shit, you know, yeah. and having a success, successful tour and a touring career next to dealing with all of that crazy convoluted shit you know touring has been saving our lives literally you know oh right and you know to know that not really knowing what you were doing when you were young and how it's here a blessing to be here today and still to be doing it as like what you love to do yeah, you know, it's twenty five years now, right? Yeah, twenty five years. Yeah, it's twenty five years this that's year. Crazy word. Uh, and do, well, that's the thing that is funny. Where you almost have to choose. You don't have to choose consciously, but in terms of black artists, black hip hop artists that can sell out big venues, 
that without white fans, are there any? I mean, it's like Dre and Jay-Z, but they're, they Not have Not anymore, man. White- I mean, here it is. Even back then, you had... The records were selling because white people really were buying. They were just afraid to come out. But the popularity of it and it being such a new thing, it brought everybody out. The ticket price wasn't even that strong back then. Come on, like, you were able to go to a a concert at Madison Square Garden and it'd be like 20 bucks, man. You know what I mean? Now you're talking about 200 bucks a ticket, the cheapest, maybe 75, you know? So it's already by economically by design. Certain people ain't coming. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Do you have a favorite album? Yeah, Balloon Mind State. Bro. Yeah, man. yeah, I do. It's so great that album. You know is so the creative the creative freedom that went with it. You know that was your third it, record. Yeah, it was the third album. The freedom that went with it. The decision. You know. If that you haven't that heard we it, decided to make based on oh, the change at that time. That's the one with um, Maceo. I blow the soul out of this horn. Mm-hmm. That's that's Maceo Parker. Parker. Right? Okay. Yeah. Were you like, hey fellas, can we change that? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we could maybe say this is Maceo, I'm Maceo Parker. Parker. Is there any I, any way to identify him? <laughs> Just um, to clarify who I am. I know I yeah. just said who I am, but I'm a different one. Oh, all right. Here's the... Okay. And that's like one of my favorite songs it's ever. It's so great, that song. And the fact that no one's licensed that song for a movie is fuck... In fact, I was... Like, it's crazy to me. Is that an impossible sample to clear or something? Um, well, let me tell you the issue with the Three Feet High Rising album. If you notice... All the material before Grind Date is not on iTunes or anything or anything, oh. or, or anything affiliated. So no one could download Balloon Mind State on iTunes? No. Whoa. No. Tell and us that, about that. And, that, and that's because these are contracts that were all done well before the internet was thought of. And here it is. Our sampling record, to put this record out again via iTunes, we have to go into like cutting a whole new deal. Right. You know with the people we sample from and everything for now the the jargon to be, you know, distributed to the universe. Right. You know, because that's the jargon they came with. Right, in perpetuity throughout the universe. So right. I'm a Champs fan. I listen to you. I don't know De La, and I think, oh, I'd like to hear that album. What do I do? Go to YouTube, and you can vibe out all day to the fans who put it up there. You that's can definitely. Crazy. But it's definitely not there for. And purchase. also, you just go to MP3 Skull. You know, we 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 have been I'm, trying to. You're, you're advocating. He ain't his- fucking making shit off of YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> He's not making shit off these records, man. <laughs> Open your eyes, Moshe. <laughs> you're right, you're right. He ain't making, oh, he's making that YouTube money. <laughs> when other people post a shit, Tommy Boy and post a shit. He's the one crazy. posting no, but That's shit. pretty crazy. I mean, that's, yeah. these are classic albums. I have a confession to make. There is a <laughs> drug called Provigil, which is basically, they give it to Air Force pilots when they have to fly all night. And it doesn't make you speedy or anything. It literally, you just don't need sleep. Mm-hmm. When I take Provigil, I can scat the entire, Maceo's entire horn riff by myself. <laughs> Only when I'm on this drug. Oh, I can do, do it oh, fucking, I can do yeah, it I fucking verbatim. <laughs> I almost am tempted to I'm, take it just so I could do it. I was freaking myself out. 
Uh, that what's the name of that song, by the way? I'll be blowing. I'll be blowing. That's correct. Easy. Um, yeah. uh, and then do Pause. you guys rhyme over it later on? The, later, do they do you rhyme over it later on in the um, record? It's 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 the a vocal similar, track right? is called I Am I B. Right. All right. And the yeah. horn track, which is I, also I, I the. With I am I pause. Oh, yeah, that was pre-pause. Though. <laughs> we were living in a pre-pause generation, pause. you know. Uh, when you guys work out the when you release an iTunes, I'd be blown. It'll be, I'd pause. be blown. Pause. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they that yeah that record is so. You know what I love about that record? It's fucking sad. Yeah, parts yeah, of it. it, it are, that's it silly is, too. Fucking, it is. It is a sad record. It's sad. Yeah. It's like really yeah. like. And, but sad then that Japanese shit is very silly, and I mean. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't. I would be rapping along to the Japanese dude. I mean, I don't know what the fuck he's saying. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what he's talking. About. In, in layman's <laughs> non-rap terms, terms, it, they were saying they just came to New York, got a call from Dela uh, to come to the studio, and I'm hanging out with my man Maceo. People in hip hop always be getting calls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just got a call. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that record's really sad, and it's uh, it's like you guys are like not. It doesn't feel like you're over it, but it just feels like you're just like we're clear eyed about what this shit is. Yeah, musically, was it when you said could you get better samples? Is that what you meant, or is that is it like you? How is that different musically from your other records or from your first two records? The um. Uh, Blue Mind State. Yeah. Um, just knowing where hip hop was going completely at that time. I mean, here come Puff Daddy. Right. And everything that was going on and um, pause. If we were right. <laughs> and that happened to be, you know, I mean, knowing what we had to compete with. Right, right. It was a call of saying, "Do we compete, or we just creatively just go our way?" Right, and and we creatively just went our way, yeah. knowing that in the long run it would it would help us. You it's know, like hoping, thing. hoping in the long run it would help us by sticking to the guns of what we just want to do musically, as opposed to just trying to mesh with what's going on. You know, right. And um, the record flopped. You know, but we still feel good about the record here. Here it is as producers. The three of us felt really sad. Did you guys produce it yourselves? We produced a lot on our own. We we threw it under the collective where it actually says produced by Prince Paul and De Lasso. But here it is, Ego Trip, and I did completely by myself. You good know? job. In the woods, I did by myself. You know, um, posted um, Break of Dawn. Jesus. I used to take that a, record. I, I remember bombed? coming down off a- yeah. acid, listening to Break of Dawn. Paul, Paul did Millie pulled the pistol. You know, we all worked on I Am I B, which is the one you right. guys like. Paul actually brought the foundation of it. Um, Dave did the uh, track with. Um, that's when Dave really started coming to life as a producer. He did the track that Biz was on, Stone Age. Uh-huh. Um, but the album is is perfect. It's a perfect hip hop album, thank, in my uh, opinion. I mean, it's, yeah. it's I mean, it was, just it was a tough time. You know, things were really changing vastly, and we also waited around for Tribe to finish. Um, I think it was Midnight Marauder at the yeah. time. We waited around for them. 
Minute Marauders, by the way. I would just like to put album cover, perfect. You're on the album cover. Yeah. Oh, that's a great album cover. Yeah. Fucking perfect album cover. It's a great album too. And that that lady robot tour guide. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a great album. That is a great album. It is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Midnight Marauders is a great album. Low End Theory. Is, is in my, that's in center, my, but that's in yeah. my perfect album yeah. category. But yeah, yeah, Midnight Marauders is pretty pretty damn up there. Uh, and then, how do you guys come to decisions within the group? It's tough. I mean, when the magic is there, it's on. But when we're not on on the same page, it's three, four years, no record. As you can right. see, ten years, no record. You know, you know, it it could be a lot of good conversation, but it's about putting it into action, and sometimes. Some people aren't there yet. Like, right. it takes time to get there. And are, that's, you, are you guys anywhere near putting an album out now? I hope we are. I hear a lot of great rhymes. You know, like there's always. Do you need beats? Like cre- creativity. Yeah, Neil ne- makes beats. Tru- tru- truthfully, beats. like creativity never stops. And honestly, if you are doing beats, I I'm would, not doing beats. Oh, okay. <laughs> but he well, likes sneakers. Thank, I like that you're. Because you know, here it is. I go, wow, Neil's doing beats. I would want to hear that because if you got some crazy shit. It would be bugged out to know that Neil Brennan did a fucking track for Daylight and it's off the hook. Like that will be bugged you know, out. And you know, someone get me an be. MPC. Yeah, and I'm gonna make you know, some beats. Uh, you know, it's it's even like how even certain producers came to light with us. Like you know, a lot of people didn't know who Madlib was for a while, and right. then when they learned who he was, he had did us. He was doing a certain type of production for other people, but the track that he did for us was completely different from right. what he's been doing. You know, so. You know, it's, are you I, making beats all the time? Or I always is it, make beats. You know, and did, do you I, send them to to Paz and Dave, or do you just yeah, I do. On but they are the most fickleest MCs in this business, man. <laughs> that makes sense. Seriously, in a, I mean, a weird way. They're really fickle, man. But I give it to them because when they finally connect with something, it's it's dope. You know what I'm saying? Do you, so, you must find yourself in the position where one of them likes the beat, rhymes and the over other one it, and the other one, and you're like, motherfucker. Did you hear what he did? Yeah, you can yeah, fucking yeah. get on this. Hell yeah, hell yeah, hell That's yeah. That's funny. So really, hell you're... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So all, your guys' rent is paid from live performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah that's rent, it, man. Yeah. Kids, school tuition, all kinds oh, of Oh, yeah, stuff. and you got his son is like... Is a, well, my son had a scholarship, you know, so it wasn't much of an expense. Just But he was one of the best... He's one of the yeah, best Yeah, he had players. a scholarship to Auburn University... Um, he really had a successful three years, and then he just declared for the NFL. Oh wow! He um, broke Bo Jackson's record and Cam Newton's record. But how are his shoes, though? How are his cross trainers? That's what I want to know. <laughs> are you? Are you? Uh, was that the son that was conceived during? When was he conceived? He was conceived around Balloon Mindstate. Right, that's a great state. era for everything. <laughs> you was even making hot right. babies then. It's good for then, sons. Right? It's good you for was making hot babies. Right. You couldn't drop. You couldn't not drop a hit yeah. right before Blue Mind State. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was my second son. And do uh, and are you, are you like? Is it weird to have a son that he must be huge and a like a amazing athlete? Yeah. Yeah, is it weird to have a son that can whoop your ass? He's pretty. Uh. No, nah, I wouldn't go that far. Uh. <laughs> he's an NFL player. He can whoop far. your ass. <laughs> he, he, I'm sorry, he, man. He, he may hey. be. He may be strong, but I have other. You still type, have a foot in the street. I have other types of knowledge, and then <laughs> there's there's a respect there that we don't have to cross that bridge anyway. So is he bigger uh, than you? 
No, we about the same size. He's in shape though. He's in he's in tip top shape. Uh, right, who do you who do you like these days, hip hop wise? Young people, young guys. Who do you think is really good? Um, I like this dude that I'm working with right now. His name is Bill Ray. He's off the hook. He's really dope. Um, it, he, does he have anything on YouTube? For yeah, instance? he got a few things on YouTube. All right. yeah. Bill Ray, check him out. Bill Ray, yeah. Uh, and um, and I like a guy named Vinny Chase. Oh yeah, I like Vinny Chase. Yeah, yeah, I like him. You know, I'm trying to see what's happening in New York. You know, of course, I like Drake. I like you know Kendrick. I like who's doing it right now. You yeah. Know? Everybody got stuff I like and don't like. Soldier you know? Boy. What's funny is that you Big guys fan. actually, when, you know how I was saying how Kanye was like the first one to do really like emo records? I was wrong because you guys made, like yeah. it was actually emotional in a way that was like psychological. And it, what, there was no bravado to it. You know what I mean? There was, it was just like, Man, this is who we are and we're. Right. We Genuine. have complicated lives, and it's not. There was no. Well, that's your. I mean, we, much much respect to Kanye. I think we 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 share the same. We embrace the same emotions in our music. Just what he does on uh, when he does his interviews, what he does out in public, he rants a lot. Yeah. What you know, and I'm talking about Kanye West. Yeah, I think he. <laughs> I I get what he's trying to say. You know. It's just that you're not going to really be heard if you're constantly ranting, dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? And here it is. You are in a position of power, so ranting yeah. is unnecessary, you know? And he's a, he's a fucking amazing artist. Yeah. That's what you I said. Know, I got, was saying on here. He got he's the world seven in his hand, for seven. pretty much, you know? Like, you're not going to shut anybody down by barking like Have that. Have you toured with him at all? Never. Never toured with him. We did a few shows on his come up, but um, never toured with him. We... He actually performed on our set uh, when he first came out with Jesus Walk. Um, we was in Australia at a, a festival called Gatecrasher, and he came on our set and performed Jesus Walk. Like, I love him creatively. I love him musically. I don't really know him personally, but I got a lot of respect for his work. It's inspirational. You yeah, know? It's hard to deny, yeah. and that's the only yeah. way he could get away with being the person he mm-hmm. is, is by mm-hmm. making music that good. If he was a whack Everybody would have been like, oh, mm. next. Like, yeah, yeah, please yeah, get yeah. the fuck out of here. That would have been the end of the conversation. Yeah. So your son is going to be, uh, what is he supposed to, top 10? Um, That's all determined on how he performs in this combine. Oh, right. Yeah, that's determined by that. You know, if he happens. You know about the combine, Moshe? No. It's basically, it's like, they basically say it's like a slave auction. More or yeah, less. Yeah, yeah. There's real 28 time. football teams. It's the realest shit. I and swear, they that was have some shit. these right. guys run for them. No. Jump for them. Uh, do do It's fucking... Hol- and they, they measure them. It's They have Ooh, to show them their that teeth. That is real. No. Uh, <laughs> more so trying to detect what their... They already know about their strengths, so they're trying to detect what their weaknesses are. For and them. they got to take a psychological test. For the really? Level. Yeah. yeah, and they take a psychological test. So it's like one big-ass job interview. Is that the and only they, sport that and, does that kind of thing? <clears throat> do they do that? Yeah, they sports? don't do that. NBA to a degree, but not that intense. Not well, like that. because NFL is so dangerous probably, too. No, I mean, what's funny is, and dudes still murder. Right, right. NFL players still get through. They do the Wonderlick test. Man, and I they ace still that psychological murder. test. Yeah, they have they no idea. <laughs> they're crazy. Uh, is your son? A, I'm assuming he's a stable kid. Yeah, he's stable. And you don't and you don't worry about concussions. How are his teeth though? 
Um, he, had the, he done had two concussions already, but he's okay. What position is he playing? He's running he's back? He's running back. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, and so he's had two concussions mm-hmm. in college? In college. But you don't really worry about it? No, nah, he's okay. I mean, I mean, I do worry, but he's living his dream, man. You right. know, and it's always going to be, come on, look, I'm in the rap game. Look how many times I could have got shot and yeah. still right. can get shot. You know what I mean? So it's all about, you know, him fulfilling his dream and praying for his safety as he's doing it. He's happy doing what he does best, you know. Right. So I'm happy for him. I'm like, here it is. I actually support my children in following their dreams, let alone I done did it for a few of my friends already. So for now to be happening to one of my kids, it's amazing, dog. Like, I, you know, yeah, I've been there for most. I've been there for Common. I've been there for Quali. I've been there for Fife and Tribe on their come up much as Paul has been there for me, you know what I mean? But to see it actually happening to your child, and, and, and here it is, it has nothing even nothing to do with music, you know what I mean? Like, right. It has nothing even to do with what I'm a part of, you know? It's amazing. All right, well, I don't know. I don't want this to end, but... Uh, so good. We could bring it back up again, brother. Yeah, I'm no, we should. This, we had a, There's we, a lot of shit to talk about. Yeah. Seriously, I got... Um, shit, we end up talking about a whole bunch of other shit, but I told him I wanted to tell y'all about this Keith Murray story. But it's oh, tell us the Keith Murray long, story. Tell us. Tell, 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 tell us. We got say time. We got time. It's we got the last time. story. We're not leaving. We're not it's leaving. Too long. It's too long. No, no, no. Go. It's not too long. Fuck. Fuck you. Go. <laughs> oh shit. Okay. This was '96. <laughs> Takes is high. I lost a whole lot of weight around that time. You know, I was like Forrest Gump that year, and I ended up getting like. Uh, modeling opportunities. This when everybody was coming. <laughs> Hilarious. Out. This when everybody was coming out with their clothing line. Yeah. And, um, Tommy Hilfiger was reintroducing himself because here comes Sean John and everybody doing their thing. And you know he called me Keith Murray, Lisa Leslie. It was so many different people that was a part of this, and it was it started from the Waldorf Astoria. We end up downtown later that night at. At um, Quincy Jones's vibe party, You're, and it, you were shooting the whole day. The shooting the whole day and doing runway shit. Got and it. Then, and then the end of the night was the vibe party, performing in the clothes we were modeling. You know, Keith Murray was the one completely off the hook the whole day. You know, he smoked a lot of drugs, so he having his antics. By the time we get through the day, we get downtown to the vibe party. At the end of the night, the party's starting to get thin. We run into each other. He start talking this mace, mace. He high as fuck. I know he high as fuck. I'm now nervous about my ride home. The label shafts me. Tommy boy shafts me. I don't have no ride. And then Keith Murray goes, I got you, fam. I got you. I got you. Get you home, fam. I was like, yo, I got two of my dudes with me, man. He's like, I got you, Maceo. He's like, you just going, you going to ride with me and Reggie. He's like, you going to ride with me and Reggie, and we're going to go up to the Waldorf, and then we're going to send you home. You know what I'm saying? I go, all right. I was like, where's Reggie? He's talking about Redman. Yeah. He's like, you hear that motherfucking music? You hear that music that's riding around? Yeah, you hear him? He, been, he said, after the show, that's all he's been doing, riding around waiting for me, listening to his own album. So he was just driving around. He was driving around in his forerunner. <laughs> Redman had a forerunner at this time. And he's riding around just listening to his shit. The music got closer. He pulled up. 
here we go. What up, Maceo? Nah, all the love. He get out the car. He's like, yo, we got to take Mace up to the Waldorf, and I got to get him home. The label fronted on him. Nah, nah, nah. We get in the car. He getting ready to light this blunt and shit, and we riding. He's like, he's just talking about, you know, the new transition in his life. And then he go to pass me the weed, and I go, nah, I'm good, right? So he stops the car, and he goes, yo, what's up, motherfucker? I know you smoke weed. He's like, he's like, you did this shit to me last time. He's like, I saw you at the rehearsal studio. I had some weed, was trying to blow with you, and you was like, nah. And he's like, and he's like, you, motherfucking Pete Rock and Diamond D, y'all motherfuckers undercover weed smokers. Fuck out of here. Why you not smoking with me? I was like, all right. Being that you asked me why I don't smoke with you, I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> Keith Murray goes, because he thinks we smoke dust. That's why. <laughs> he thinks we smoke dust. I was like, that's exactly why I got two of my peoples with me from the from my neighborhood. They yeah. cracking the fuck up. I was like, yeah, that's exactly why I don't smoke with y'all. I was like, if you really notice when you do see me smoke, I got my own shit. I always have my own shit. He's like, yeah. I was like, he's like, Mace. Then Red Man goes, but Mace, I don't smoke that no more. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, really, like, I don't do that no more. I was like, okay. Then what's in that blunt right now? I grew up in Brooklyn. I know, I've smoked dust twice. Twice in my whole life I have. And Two I know what the moments of your life, correct? I know what the shit smell like. One time I smoke it knowingly, pop-locking with my friends. And shit, and the shit looked crazy when That's niggas like was the on that shit. That's the best thing you could do, I feel like. <laughs> I swear to you. That or do the, smoke the, the I smoked one, dust, smoke yeah, dust yeah. one time knowingly, popping with my friends, and then another time, they would come, my friends from Brooklyn come to visit, ride out with me to Long Island to a party, and they lit up in the car, and it was a dust joint then. And I didn't catch it until it was a little thick in the car, and it got this real thick, minty smell. Right. You know? So I caught that shit riding in the car with them. And I'm like, what's in that shit? He was like, yo, man, it's just some good Cali chronic, man. I'm able to get that shit. Like, and it was when it was like, you wasn't able to get good weed in New York as often, you know. But he was like, I got some good Cali chronic. I was like, mm. Keith Murray goes, I put a little bonbons in there. <laughs> <laughs> yo, I'm not going to tell you no lie. Like, hanging with them. For a hot second, I was almost that comfortable to take a hit. Uh, I really was. Yeah. I, I literally was. And I, I was like, as soon as I was about to take a hit, I was like, all right, let me hit that shit. Keith Murray was like, nah, I told you I'm trying to grow up and be like you. <laughs> <laughs> and he really would not let me hit that shit. He was like, nope, nah, nah, man. He's like, you my role model. Fuck all that. While they high on dust. <laughs> and then I'm like, yo. We get up to the, we have an actual fun, like, and here it is, my dudes is like, yo, we should hang out with them for a little while. I'm like, <laughs> all right. I was like, I'm going to see what they say. Get up to the Waldorf and start. I was like, yo, come kick it for a while. Keith Murray was like, nope, 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 you can't come. You can't come. He said, Mace, yo, he said, we about to do something that's so ungodly that you. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Straight up. Did he, he tell you what it was? He was like, we got some bitches upstairs, and you got to go home. <laughs> <laughs> like, I got a genuine relationship with a lot of these rappers. A lot of them may come off fake to one another, 
but I don't really have that with a lot of cats. Right. And it's it's a it's, it's such a different place that feels like family when I'm with them. You know, where like that genuine moment with Keith Murray was like he really didn't want me to be a part of no wild shit. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and I'm sure there's other cats around there where they'd be like, "Come on." You know, yeah. fuck all that. It was like he was genuine about, nah, I have fun with you all day. But what we about to, how we about to wild out right now, nah, I first of all I got a whole nother image of you, Mace, and if it is something different, I don't wanna know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, that's how I kinda took it. Here it is, you know, to keep it really one hundred. I got an older son. He's in jail. To keep it really real with you, like he's by another woman, and due to those circumstances, he's in jail. He ran into Keith Murray in jail. Wow. Yeah, and my son called me and was like, "Daddy, Keith Murray's in here." You know, he said straight up and down, he don't want you to know. He don't want you to know that he's in here. He's like, "Don't tell your father I'm in here." I was like, "Word." I was like, "Yo, man, yo, you get to him, you see him." Tell him I love him to death, man. And when he get out, holler at me. I was like, if he in the county, I know he ain't in there long. You know? Right. So just tell him to holler at me when he get out. There's still life at this. Like, I would love to work with him. And and and, and this was recent. This was like maybe all but three months ago. Wow. Wow. You know. You know. Well, everybody. So you're, keep- a good, you're a good father in the world and a good hip-hop father, too. Pause. Listen. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming Thank, on. Thanks, man. man. Yo, this was fun, man. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. They're shaking hands right now. Before y'all came, man. It was wild. Friendship. They're yeah. icing me out. Yo, good meeting you, too. <laughs> nice to meet you, too. I'm getting a handshake, too, everybody. Fucking, don't ruin it. You don't cheap it on friendship, man. <laughs> One more episode down. Thank you all for listening. All right, peace. I am Maceo. I be blowing the soul out of this horn.
B411. I am short. The noose. I be the new generation of slaves here to make papes to buy a record exec rates. The pile of revenue I create, but I guess I don't get a cut cause my rent's a month late. Product of a North Carolina cat who scratched the back of a pretty woman named Hattie. Who departed life just a little too soon and didn't see me grab the plug tune fame as we go a little something like this. Look ma, no protection, now I got a daughter named Ayana Monet. And I could play the cowboy to rustle in the dough So the scenery is healthy with her eyes laid I am an early bird, but the feathers are black So the apples that I catch are usually all worms But it's a must to decipher one's queen From a worm who plays groupie and spread around the bad germ I cherish the twilight I maximize my soul is the right side I watch for the power to run out on the moon And that'll be sometime soon in a fist of kids speaking that they're black when they're just niggas trying to be Greek or some tongues who lied and said we'll be natives to the end nowadays we don't even speak I guess we got our own life to live or is it because we want our own kingdom to rule every now and then I step to the now for now I see back then I might have acted like a fool now I won't apologize for it this is not a bunch of ladies but a bunch of black man's pride yet I can safely say I've never played a sister by touching where her private parts reside. I've always walked the right side of the road. If I wasn't making song, I wouldn't be a thug selling drugs. But a man with a plan. And if I was a rug cleaner, betcha pasta have the cleanest drugs I am. The plug two brand with the flavor in the flute. Watch the sniffing, so a sack of shows in demand. I read the diction from the second page. I got the one-two gauge baritone to the even fan. Trees fall so I can play ground with my ink. So let me lead you till my M's go. I push the infinite and carry it. My carry is a three over one, so my plugins already know. Lick shots with my will catch the booth from a ghost in the heckling crowd. If I give a foot, Jack Bill caught a spill when a spill came from my mouth. I put a head down south. I don't check for the noose in the neck, so I never tell my M's that finesse is knocking at my door. I choose to run from the rays of the burning sun and dodge a needle washing up upon a sandy shore. I bring the element H with the two, so you owe me what's coming when I'm raining on your new parade. It's just mine over matter, and what matters is that the mind isn't guided by the pun of shade. I keep the walking on the right side, but I won't judge the next who handles oh, walking on the wrong. How he wants to be No difference See, I want to be Like the name of this song I am I be the new generation of slaves here to make tapes to buy record exec rakes. The pile of revenue I create, but I guess I don't get a cut because my rent's a month late. 
The deeds of a natural are seeds that are no longer planted, so the famine in the mind is strong. Tactics of another plane is now proven sane. Sane enough to let you know from within this song. I stabilize many cableized viewers, so my occupation's known, but not why I occupy. And that is to bring the peace, not in the flower, but the Asalama Lake in the third I am. I am 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 I